0: Yes, I messed everything up in my video right now. I'm trying to figure it out. It's so annoying. You add it up, you line it up, you do all the things, and then you start the show and it looks like shit. You're like, what the fuck? Why did I do all the things? Why did I, why did I take all the time to set up all the things if it's just going to be fucked up when I actually do the show? Well, whatever, guys. Welcome to Mean Age Daydream. Hopefully it looks okay. I am Brian McWilliams, and yes... It has been quite a week, quite a week. As you might notice from the uh, episode title, a lot of change going on. The winds of change, they are in fact a-blowing. And uh, of course, big change in the, uh, the lineups of a lot of your favorite shows, including CNN. And I'll get to that in just a minute. But of course... If you listen to Monday's episode, you may have noticed that there was a different voice, a different face that was hosting it. Yes, it was Dan Smots. And uh, from, of course, the system is down, a friend of our show. And you might have been saying, what? Uh, where's Mark? What happened to Mark? Where where he be? Is he dead in a ditch? Did he not, in fact, make it to Florida? Is he, in fact, still in Mexico, uh, stuffed in some car tires, maybe hanging from a bridge, torso? uh, <laughs> torso akimbo torso in a canal somewhere head in a bucket you know hanging from a bridge as the cartels like to do well don't worry mark is in fact alive and well and all i can say at this point is uh all things will be revealed everybody uh there are changes afoot i will let you know that and uh, did Dan do all right with his audition for the new Lions of Liberty Monday show host? I don't know. I'll have to leave it up to you. I'll, I'll read some YouTube comments. I feel that YouTube comments really cut to the quick of where we're at as a culture it seems the most rational, logical voices are typically the ones that are promoted on YouTube that take the time on YouTube to make themselves heard. So that's where we will look to that. But I would like to thank Dan for stepping up on uh, on Monday. And uh, even though a lot of the revelations that were made there or revelations that were made there, uh, I don't appreciate the sharing of the behind-the-scenes conversations, of course, between John and I. And uh, I would never openly disparage Mark Clare. I keep that. For backroom conversations between me and whatever gaggle of prostitutes I've managed to uh, to get together at that point in time, depending on the budget. I mean, really, yeah, I call it a gaggle. It could have just been one. It could be three. But that's who you tell your secrets to, people. Obviously, you don't tell them to uh, to friends when you've got a smut lurking. But stay tuned. Stay tuned, everybody, because as we said, winds of change are blowing now. I am, uh, I'm just back. I had done my good morning fuckhead rant. And, uh, of course it's at behind the paywall. If you go to patreon.com forward slash lions of Liberty, you can listen to the good morning fuckhead rants. And, uh, sh- and basically, you know, I do my weekly, not to say it's weekly I do my daily about five to seven minute rant on that. So if you want to hear that now's your time, but you might be able to tell my voice is a little bit scratchy. Still, I had a long bachelor party weekend, for a, uh, an Australian buddy of mine, me and a bunch of San Franciscites and Australians. So you can imagine the philosophical battles I entered into upon drinking copious amounts of alcohol and getting into random other things. It, uh, it Let's just say, it was a little bit of an exhausting trip in that regard, but I still think I changed some hearts and some minds. However, the good news we're seeing is that Hearts and Minds appear to be uh, changing. I don't know if it's coming out of the last couple of years of COVID. I don't know if it's just sanity raining in. I don't know if this the marketplace speaking. And I'll kind of go into a little bit of all of those. But we're seeing another very uh, well-known host of a major show also make his exit, as well as a, I would say, a major host uh, that has appeared on several shows. The host of the most ridiculous show, Science Today with Dr. Fauci, or another uh, the alternative title, of course, would be I Am the Science, the Dr. Fauci Story. But we'll start with the CNN potato first, which is Brian Stetler. Now, I had called this, I told you guys that without a doubt, the new leadership that took over CNN, right? And, and basically, what had happened is that Discovery Plus they, or Discovery Media Group, they had taken over CNN. They bought out Warner Brothers as well. They are making changes. And I attribute a lot of what's now shaking out through the media sphere, right? From CNN through to Warner Brothers, canceling the Batwoman or the Batgirl movie, right? Putting that, kicking it to the dumpster, even though it was a $90 million movie, right? And that's before all the post-production stuff. But still, the fact they're willing to kick it to the curb after testing it with audiences and saying, wow, people aren't into this. And does it even enter into a long-term strategy that people are going to support? Like These are both questions. And I guess you could even extend this too to Sandman, which is again, a DC property coming through that side. Now, getting back to Brian Stetler though, Discovery takes over. They say outwardly, and I talked about this several months ago. They want to change it. They want to get back to the brand that they once were, right? And I can remember back in the day, maybe I'm foolish for thinking this, but back in the day, I did, in fact, view CNN as the most reliable, right? I- ironically, the most reliable of the name, the named network. Like you knew MSNBC was leftist garbage. You knew Fox was pretty much rightist garbage. CNN had positioned themselves as the middle. You tuned in there if you thought you were going to get unpropagandized news. Now, Trump broke all of their brains, as it did with so many other people, just absolutely ruined the network, destroyed them. Jeff Zucker, who was leading it, you know, Jeff Zucker would come over from Disney. Maybe it's, again, the Disney mentality of coming over from LA, because CNN notably was based in Atlanta for uh, the longest time. I think it still is based in Atlanta, primarily. So you weren't in one of these major network hubs, granted, Atlanta is, I'm sure, a little bit left, but you're still, you're a left-leaning network in the South. That's where it all started up, right? CNN was a turner own. Ted Turner created this network. So they started out probably saying, look, we have to appeal to everybody. We're based here, so we know we have viewers here that think a certain way. We know a lot of the producers here are thinking a certain way, but we know we have a national audience to appeal to, so let's make sure we thread the needle. That, of course, got abdicated in every possible way, as they leaned away from being where people went to get news reporting and into the plague that is political punditry. As I say this, uh, naturally, being a, a political pundit. The worst of the worst was Brian Stetler. Now, Brian Stetler, I know most of you, if not all of you, know who he is, but just in case you don't, of course, Brian Stetler hosted a show called Reliable Sources where, They were ostensibly supposed to be telling you what went on in the media sphere, what the news media, as the quote-unquote reliable sources, got right and what they got wrong. Were they doing their jobs adequately as neutral reporters of the news? Naturally, this guy, who's shockingly young by the way, I think he's like 35 or something, to look like such a fucking old-ass little shit that fell out of a dog's ass and then was put on television. He never took an approach that was even remotely neutral. It was always leaning into Trump is evil, Fox News deal. Like this guy literally went on the media side and said, CNN is doing great. MSNBC's doing it. Every left-wing outlet's doing wonderful. Fox News is evil. And then called for censorship. Regularly and routinely, Brian Stettler would call for censorship of Fox News or, or any other outlet that he didn't like that wasn't towing the exact same line that CNN was. There was never... An acknowledgement of everything that CNN got wrong. Even coming to Russiagate, there is no acknowledgement that CNN had been beating the drum for this non investigation, calling the president on their own airways on a regular basis, calling the president a treasonous monster, having, you know, hiring spooks from the CIA, from the Department of Justice, from the, you know, the NSA. Everybody that you could want that was working within the deep state as part of this a coup attempt. Against Donald Trump, this nonsense that was created out of whole cloth by Hillary Clinton and the Democratic National Party, provably, which we now know very obviously, they would bring these people on, give them paid positions. If there's one type of person that you should not give a job to, it is a former intelligence officer designed and trained to lie to you. Just like giving a former press secretary a job, I also don't think is necessarily the greatest idea. I don't think it's a good idea that Fox News hires a former press secretary for Trump. I don't think that's a good idea. CNN or MSM- MSNBC hires, you know, uh, what's that redheaded uh, witch's name that was on for Biden? Jenny Psaki to have her talk about it. Because, you know, all they're doing is giving you the spin for their own candidate. And why would that stop with them going to network? But regardless, there was no possible second sight that Brian Stetler or CNN could ever provide to actually look in the mirror and say, we have fucked this up. They were, in fact, I would say, a larger reflection of, reflection of just how dedicated to living the lie that leftist news organizations, leftist voters, progressive people's mindsets, these people have never been able to look in the mirror and say, you know what, we have fucked this up. And Brian Stetler was then, Enemy number one, when this new leadership committee came in, when Discovery bought out CNN and wanted to right the ship, he is the most public face that they could get rid of. Maybe him and Chris uh, Saliza might be the next one in the chopping block, but I think you're going to see a lot of dominoes fall, and he's the first one. The irony of him getting fired is that even after he's now been canned, here's what he went out on. Here was like the final statements on his, his last show. Says Stetler, Stelter, sorry, I can't I fucking hate his name. It always throws me. Says Stelter, quote, I know it's not partisan to stand up for decency and democracy and dialogue. Now, remember, he did not stand up for democracy because he was calling for the removal of the president based on her false pretenses and calling him a treasonous monster. He also is not for dialogue because he is regularly called for censorship of people who don't agree with him. But again, we know he's already a hypocrite. I know it's not partisan to stand up for decency and democracy and dialogue. It's not partisan to stand up to demagogues. It's required. It's patriotic. We must make sure we don't give platforms to those lying to our
1: faces.
0: (laughs) Again, this is a man who has lied to your face the entire time he's been on television, telling you that he is the most decent among us, right? He is... He's fighting the fight. He's the resistance. He's the brave one coming up and standing up to demagogues. Now let's go back and remember, like, let's, the premise of reliable sources, the basic premise of the show is not to give Brian Stetler, Stelter, fucking hate his name, Stelter a little box to get his fat little rotund body up on and stand up to demagogues. That's not his job on this show. His job on the show was to look at media and decide if they were doing a good job being media. But did he do that? Not once. Did he instead stand up, quote unquote, for democracy and grandstand about his beliefs and principles and how CNN was the best network out there and how Trump was an evil monster. That's all he did. And you know what? Trump's not that great. I don't like Trump. I never voted for Trump. I don't plan on voting for Trump. But to say that he is somehow, you know, this, this demagogue that has to be torn down and he's the greatest evil. And again, these people believe he was the greatest evil to ever take on mankind, Meanwhile, you know, look where we are today, where things are empirically worse, even though this great evil has now been put out on his Mar-a-Lago boat, and uh, they still just can't leave him alone. But this man literally thinks that he is now being ousted because he stood up for democracy and dialogue. That's in Brian Stelter's brain. He thinks that's why he's been fired. And that is a indication of the larger mental sickness that is, in fact, completely rife right throughout progressivism, All right. You look not only there, but you look at how everything is, is playing out in the marketplace now. And I was just on talking to Adam Nutter on his his awesome podcast, guys, which I, I highly re- recommend uh, you check it out. Um, not only his comedy podcast, but also his political co- podcast. But I was on there. It was me. Uh, it was Adam Nutter. And it was Andy Coons, who was very popular on uh TikTok, but is on the Porcupine Pod. We aired it live yesterday. You can check it out, but we were talking a little bit about this. It's this kind of this larger wokeism that's going to be failing in the marketplace. So we were talking about whether or not that actually would play out. If the if the marketplace will respond to say, you know what, we've had enough of woke, we've had enough of this, this shoveling shit down our throats, of telling us the wrong, and of not representing organically the reality that surrounds us. And we were joking about how comedy is a a real symptom of this lack of reality, which has been the point that I'm trying to, to, to drive through to people a little bit more is that when you have comedy... It's impossible to make a joke that people are going to necessarily understand if you can't provide a basic premise that people can all agree is the reality for which to play off of to point out well this is why it's absurd because we all we all agree on this one reality and thus the fact that I can point out this absurd counter reality as a joke as a punchline right whatever it might be that is the requirement, right? You have to have one to have the other. It's kind of like Scott Adams, who's, yes, I I know Scott Adams pisses me off too, but he was good for a little while, especially during Trump era at talking about the two realities we live in, the two different movies, he called it. Right now, we are still living in the two movie era, but because we've just come out of two years of COVID, because we're coming out of seeing you know, these drag shows for children where we're being told one thing, right? The progressives saying that, oh no, you guys are living in this alternate reality. We're not trying to sexualize kids. We're not trying to uh to you know to tell people that drag's the only lifestyle. We're not trying to hide transgender, uh, you know, transgender. Uh, transitioning from parents, we're not trying to do any of that, right? And then you see it factually happen in front of your face. So this is why so many people are waking up. So many parents are waking up. So many people are seeing the the dire effects of CRT. They're seeing that race relations have gotten worse, not better, over the past decade. You know, and in the meanwhile, all of the entertainment companies, all of the progressives are still pushing this wokeness, this you know, this, these divisive policies. They're pushing in an inorganic message to try to adjust the way in which everyone in the world thinks. But the issue is their reality to them is that these things have to be fought for because they are the most pressing, evil, monstrous things in the world. But we know that there's far more monstrous things, and we know that many of them are not as much of a problem as they might think they are, that they impact far less people than we might think that they – these people think that – you know for somehow they think that the transgender issue is the most pressing issue that has to be fought for all the time. There's a reason we read about it constantly in the newspapers, right? You can't go a day without thinking it. But in the meantime, you also see that this issue affects a minuscule portion of the population, even when more kids are identifying as trans, because again, I would argue this is a social contagion, but more kids are identifying as trans, that's still a doubling of a 0.001% or the population at 0.001%. That's not to say that they shouldn't deserve certain rights, right? Just like anybody else, that they should be able to live a life without being threatened under violence, that they should be able to make adult decisions about how they want to look and act as long as those don't violate the rights of others. Those things are all still true. But to say this is such a pressing problem, that indicates that you live in a different reality than the rest of us. And now, when they're pushing through all of this new content where they're gender swapping roles from people, right? They're they're swapping out Batman for Batgirl, they're swapping out Superman for Supergirl. They're you know, they're changing the their colors of people, they're changing the sexualities of people, they're introducing Superman's son is gay, which flopped miserably and they canceled that entire series after like three episodes. To them this reality exists and that they have to fight for it and that they think that more people actually believe the shit that they're pitching when the marketplace is responding strongly not just from people that are on the right not just from the people that that you'd say okay these people are more conservative they're more traditionalist as far as the way in which they view the world and they would prefer to stay that way that's a good portion But apart from that, you have a larger portion of people that are simply looking back on the actions on the world and at the content being pushed them and just saying, this doesn't make sense. And this isn't the reality that we live in, right? When you look at every show coming out and every show has a cast that has you know 17 uh, different gay couples in it of all mixed races all at once. And you go, okay, look, we're all fine with it, right? But when you have nothing but the minority issues that we're always being told are, are, have to be at the front and center of our minds before taxes, before feeding our kids, before working our jobs, before going out into the street, we have to check mark all of these different issues that you're pushing for these, these, you know, minority uh, populations. When you see every show with those minority populations, a.k.a. reminders of these minority de- and divisive issues too many people, put front and center, it becomes a problem. It becomes a grading thing where now, instead of having it in an organic way, like what the Simpsons would do with Apu, for instance, or with Smithers, right? or You know, having it come out in a way in which you go, okay, I see the different perspective they're trying to portray here, and it's not being shoved down my throat in such a way that's unpalatable to me. Well, when they have this constantly coming in, and it is unpalatable because it is so grating and so obvious and so on the top level of everything, it ruins the story. It's an inauthentic uh, pitch that they're giving you. It's an inauthentic reality they're presenting to you, and people just turn it off. You're seeing across the board on Netflix, on Hulu, that all these shows are being canceled that were created with this specific intent of giving people a platform to pitch their political ideology. I already talked about G-Force, which was this, you know, this show about an all gay slash trans slash whatever force within the CIA that, of course, was designed to make you feel bad because they said that they were all being ignored by the CIA and they were marginalized individuals, blah, blah, blah. It's too on the nose for what you're trying to do. You have to start with the content first and then build in the organic nature and lessons based upon character development that people can get into. When you start from a place of you have to appreciate these characters because they are gay or trans or a lesbian or a woman of color. And you start from zero saying you're not allowed to critique these people. You have to appreciate them because they fit this category and check this box. People are going to say, fuck no. And you're seeing it play out. You're seeing it with Steltler being fired. You're seeing it with the Batgirl movie being canceled. You're seeing it with Hulu and all these other places, you know, like Disney, that are now not having such overt political advertisements on their streaming platforms that have ads. You're going to see it filter through. And the vast majority of cultures, I'm telling you, I'm seeing it play out in front of my eyes right now. And I think that means the winds are blowing the other way. It doesn't mean that we should stop talking about gay issues. It doesn't mean we should stop talking about the trans uh, issue. It doesn't mean we should necessarily stop talking about race. Is there still racism in, uh, in America? Yeah, I'm sure there is. Is it as pronounced as people want you to think? Absolutely not. Absolutely not isn't as big a problem in this country as it is in many of the other European or Scandinavian nations that we're told have such better conditions and that we should be guilty for not adopting their, their practices and their socialism and all this other bullshit that they tell us causes inequity among us here, here at home. I would argue that many of these other places have vastly worse issues with race within their countries. But we're being told that we are uniquely evil in this regard and it's got to be the most important thing. Whereas the relations between people are probably going to be better if we don't always harp on these things and drive them home and beat each other over the heads with them. Because instead, there are bigger problems. There are bigger fish to fry. There are economic woes. There's jubbles. And tell you what, you're going to have a much more concrete and relationship-building conversation with your minority neighbor or your gay neighbor or your trans neighbor, whatever it might be, if you're not going up and saying, hey, how's your dick flip surgery going today? I know that's a big issue for all you trans people. That might be something you could get into at one point in time when the opportunity is right. But you know what? You got to build that relationship first, maybe by talking about the job market. Maybe talking about how much mileage your car gets and how they're trying to fuck over all of us by forcing through this EV subsidy that, as I had mentioned in my previous episodes, does nothing but basically hand out a subsidy to the uh, the battery manufacturers here in America and, and force through, again... Oh, I'm not going go to go Go back and listen to the episode. Point being, just like with content that you're imbibing from the television, right? You need character development, you need it in your regular life. You need it in your interactions with people. And that maybe that's part of the problem too, right? When you have social media and you have people that are out there constantly only beating one drum, you're not having character development. You know, I talk about this other social platform I like called the Retalk. It's Retalk, retalk.com. It's community-centered. It's built around community interests. And that's designed because you don't want people just constantly screaming about shit on there and causing, you know, just hitting the political drum. You need to have character development. You need to learn what other people like in order to foster relationships. And right now we don't do that because everybody is leading with the shitty issues instead of leading with other things, right? The most, again, when I say shitty, about the divisive stuff that's more, Dependent on your own person or your skin color. We've got issues that are far less divisive and far less communal, like jobs, like schools, like whatever, that you can build upon. Talk about sports. Talk about whatever else. Build those relationships. Build the character up. Build your character arc before you go and get into the final act where you're fighting the boss, right, over uh, tooth and nail. By the way, speaking of fighting uh, fighting a final boss tooth and nail, well, how about people falling around the internet? What a scary specter. A final boss uh, that is larger and more looming, I don't know of. But you can protect yourself with IP Vanish. IP Vanish, of course, is a VPN network that's been around for quite some time. They've got thousands of reviews on Trustpilot. And you can, with one click, protect yourself. Just go on your laptop, go on your Roku, go on your, your, you know, iPhone, your Android, whatever it might be, click, protect yourself, protect your IP from the hackers, from the adware, from people following you around the internet and tracking everywhere you've been and everywhere you're going, uh, tracking your kids and what they're watching. Because it's not like it protect you from people intentionally trying to do that, but it also is going to protect your IP, protect your physical location, right? So this is a vital thing. I make sure to use it every time I go online, and so should you. And you can get 70% off a year-long subscription by going to ipvanish.com forward slash lions. Can ipvanish.com forward slash lions to get your discount. Make sure to do it. Okay, so... We talked about Brian, right? Let's talk a little bit about how there is another God King of, uh, of leftist, you know, the times sexiest man of the year, former sexiest man of the year, Dr. Fauci. He has decided that he is going to be stepping down and I'll play a clip from him. And then I, then I want to talk about, uh, you know, speaking of the lack of reality, that exists. Actually, you know what? I'm going to flip flop that. Let me play Governor Ron DeSantis and his top gov satirical, you <laughs> know, one minute long satirical ad that does make an interesting point. But it goes into everything the left hates because he criticizes the mainstream media and he criticizes. It's getting quite a reaction. So let me play it for you, and then I will come back and uh, and we will talk about it a little bit because, like I said, the reactions. And we were talking about this on uh, on Adam Nutter's podcast too. The reactions to this sum up the entire concept of the left can't meme perfectly because they can't take a troll. They don't understand the meme, and again, from my perspective, it's because they don't understand the reality in which the meme exists.
1: So here we go. Top of. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is your governor speaking. Today's training evolution, dogfighting, taking on the corporate media. The rules of engagement are as follows. Number one, don't fire unless fired upon. But when they fire, you fire back with overwhelming force. Does it say that in the bill? I'm I'm asking you to tell me what's in the bill. Number two, never ever back down from a fight. If I could complete the question, though. So you're going to give a speech or ask a question? Number three, don't accept their narrative. It's wrong. It's a fake narrative. I just disabused you of the narrative, and you don't care about the facts. It's why people don't trust people like you because you peddle false narratives. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Let's jump up on you. All right,
0: so there you go. That is the Ron DeSantis top gov ad, right? That has literally blown up the leftist internet. It's all over Twitter, and it has gotten such a reaction from progressives that you would think that he had actually gotten in a fighter plane, that he had flown to the nearest, you know, homeless shelter and just bombed it to ash. It's unfucking believable the reactions that people have had. And one guy, I only, I only responded to one guy on Twitter about this, because I could have said it to literally a million people, but this guy this this dumb asshole. I can't remember his name, but he's like, you know, Greg, whatever is boosted. And he's got, you know, he's got a large following for a guy that's just the biggest leftist dipshit shell. But he tweeted out that Ron DeSantis is trying to convince people actually here. Let me, I'll, I'll, I'll literally click. I'll read you the exact quote verbatim. Ron DeSantis never flew anything faster than Microsoft Word as a Navy lawyer, and now he wants his supporters to think he's a fighter pilot because he's held press conferences. Now, my response to that is, yes, of course. He's literally trying to convince people that he is a fighter pilot. You nailed it, buddy. Now I know this guy that tweeted that initial thing out. I know he also does not literally think that Ron DeSantis is trying to convince people he's a fighter pilot, but it certainly seems that that's the point he's making. And this has been a continued emphasis from all these leftists. I've seen it in about 50 different tweets today, which is them saying Ron DeSantis was a lawyer in the Navy, um, so pff, owned. Okay. That's not the fucking point. (laughs) It's, they're, they're taking it as though, number one, at no point does Ron DeSantis ever say, I was a Navy pilot. At no point in the ad does Ron DeSantis say, I was in the Navy. At no point does he say, I was a lawyer. There's no point does he, he doesn't reference anything about a military career as, you know, as a starting point for any of this shit. It is literally a one minute ad based upon the most popular film that has been in theaters. I don't even know. how long. I haven't even seen if Mavericks, you know, the top grossing one of all time yet. I think it might be because it was a mega hit that's still in theaters and people are still going to see it. He's simply building a video meme based upon a popular movie and putting a, I don't know, somewhat clever, somewhat cringe spin on it right? As, as the best memes sometimes are, right? Half cringe, half clever top gov. It's pretty good. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's a good concept. The rules of engagement. That's what the whole movie is based around, right? Them sitting around. They're arguing constantly about the rules of engagement. Where's the flight deck at? If you, if you haven't seen the movie, you know, how many, what's the altitude that you can engage the enemy on when you're practicing dogfighting? And Ron DeSantis is saying, well, we're in there fighting. He's you know, like text fighter to five, 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 whatever it might be. He's emphasizing. That he is taking people on and he's trying to give you the rules of engagement he fights by. Great. Good shit. To try to say, well, here's why, excuse me, but Ron DeSantis was never a naval pilot. (laughs) It completely (laughs) inhabits a different reality. And you're like, you're giving them, it's, it's literally Ron DeSantis did this, not only to raise money and get people support, but he did this knowing that this would be the exact reaction from the left, that they would not be able to simply roll their eyes and go, all right, get the fuck out of here. Whatever, which is what the response should be. If you're a leftist, that's my advice to you. Here's your rules of engagement. When shit, when shit like this comes out that you don't like. Instead of diving deep and trying to nerd it up and point out exactly factually how his history might not allow him to be a, a real fighter pilot. Here's what you do. You roll your eyes. You go, ah, what a goober. And you move on. If anything, you should mock how, you know, it's a little bit awkward because Ron DeSantis isn't an actor. Or you can mock that he's no Tom Cruise. Or maybe even lean into it and say that, much like Tom Cruise, I wish that Ron DeSantis did his own stunts in this movie because it would have a much different outcome. How about that, leftists? How about you make a joke about it rather than putting on your dork glasses and talking about how factually, actually, this would never happen because he was a lawyer in the Navy. It leans in so hard to the left not being able to meme and to the left literally buying into every troll that's ever been put out there. Donald Trump was a troll. He knew the power of trolling and Ron DeSantis took a page out of his book and he gave it to you guys and you lapped it up. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. Ron DeSantis stood at the top of his, of his, you know, Empire State Building. He stood at the top of the, uh, the governor's mansion in Florida. He pulled his pants down. And he took a piss. And all of you guys ran in, opened your mouths, and lapped it up. And now he is getting so much exposure for this little video that he made, vastly beyond what he ever should, for a video made by a little state governor, you know, a goofy little one-minute spoof on Top Gun. But you people, because you can't mean, because you don't live in a reality that allows you to just laugh it off and go, (laughs) all right, whatever, dork. You have given him all the power. It's just unbelievable. It's fucking unbelievable. And now, again, just like with Trump, everybody who runs all these people that won in Trump primaries, you know, Trump endorsed something like, I don't know, 170 candidates, 85% of them got through their primary, right? They'll be going to the general election. I don't know if they'll win the general election. I don't know if that Fenterman, you know, fat dork ass. I don't know if that socialist turd will win in, in Pennsylvania or not. But I do know that that Trump Kind of playbook is probably being used by all these people DeSantis is playing it and these leftists are just buying into it the media hasn't learned a lesson social media hasn't learned a lesson the left can't meme and apparently they can't think but that also comes around to the fact that they can't take a joke not only do they not understand the joke because they don't imbi- they don't they don't have it the same reality as anybody else that's making them they can't take it either so instead of just not understanding it they have to intentionally lean into the fact that they don't understand it, echoing it around so that everybody who potentially could now gets it and make themselves more stupid in the process. I just, it's just, wow. I mean, it's it's shocking to look at it and break it down and just see how this thing just plays out perfectly every single time. Just wow. All right, let's go back to Fauci. Enough on DeSantis. Although, by the way, it also very funny that Liz Cheney, by the way, I'm not saying that just leftists live in a reality where they they can't understand what's going on around them because clearly Liz Cheney also lives in that reality. Liz Cheney, who now I will call uh, Abraham Lincoln because she, <laughs> she compared herself to Abraham Lincoln uh, in her res- resignation speech, where she, by the way, got beaten so badly. She lost something like 68% to 26% or something. Like for a sitting center, got beaten so badly has the whole establishment behind her as a Cheney, right? The entire neocon establishment is behind this piece of shit. The entire anti-Trump world is behind her. And she gets beaten like a redheaded stepchild so badly that she doesn't even, but but again, she lives in a different reality. In her reality, she still might have a, a shot at being president. And how do we know that? Oh, because she did a speech resigning, saying, well, much like Abraham Lincoln, a very well-known president, I also lost a primary. But unlike Lincoln, uh, she got beaten so badly that there is, you know, blood and tampon drippings uh, leading all the way back to the car, back to Cheney Mansion. But, I mean, god damn, to compare herself to Lincoln, again, Abraham Lincoln, mm, unbelievable. So, Let's talk about Fauci. We'll wrap the show up on some Fauci ness. Let me make sure there wasn't anything else I wanted to talk about here. Oh, God. We'll wrap up on Fauci. How about this one? Just, you know, I was talking about education being a unifier for people to actually bring them back to reality, uh, the dangers that a lot of their kids are facing from the educational environment, from being uh, indoctrinated into specific ways of thinking, being told that they're victims. Well, guess what? Some of them are victims, and I guarantee they're not being told about this so 100 oh, let's say as from Fox News at least 181 K through12 educators were charged with sex crimes in the first half half of 2022 140 percent of sorry 140 of the arrests or 77 percent involved alleged sex crimes against students that is not great um you know when we talk about Educators, obviously, we can't say the g r o o m e r s word anymore. They'll get they'll get real mad at you for that. Can't use. You can say, let's talk about the groom and what I was at a bachelor party. The groom in the wedding, not this guy. He's not a uh, you know g r o o m e r s, but you know we can't we can't uh, extend that word anymore. But we talk about the issues here, right? Not only the indoctrination issues, not only. Catholic schools and you know in Brooklyn having drag queen day in the church and all of that. Yeah, not that to me that that cross dressing is evil or a sin in my opinion. I mean, I'm not very religious in general, but the indoctrination, the sexualization of children, of the youth, and the dangers that can bring. You don't want to extend. You know, I don't think it's fair to extend to any profession or group and say, look. All of you are uh, have a predilection for uh, pedophilia because it's simply not true. My mother was a second grade teacher for, you know, for 35, 40 years. But when you do have 181 teachers charged with sex crimes just in the first half of this year, that is highly worrying. Maybe these kids are just too sexy. I don't know. But, you know, maybe this is going part and parcel with a little bit of what people are concerned about. Because if nothing else, it does seem to validate a concern about when kids are introduced to the sexuality, when they're introduced to uh, who's what, especially when kids are confused. at it. And look, the age that kids are confused about sex probably can be uh, anywhere from age six through to 13. You know, I don't know when you had pu- puberty. It depends on how much you are exposed to. Right. So I guess in a way it's a cat and mouse thing. When are they getting confused about sex? Well, probably when they start knowing about it. But at the same time, going in at third grade and teaching them about sex and arousal and and gender and all this other shit may, in fact, open them up to be a little bit more susceptible to people that have ill intent. Because if you have kids that are learning about this at a young age, maybe they aren't going to go and rush and say, look, I just touched in a a no-no place, right? as most adults might tell their kids, if anybody touches you in your no-no place, come and tell me immediately. Maybe now they're not so afraid of that. Maybe because the teacher that's telling them about the no-no places and what they actually are and what they should become and what they mean, because those people that are telling them this are in fact the same people that are probably more likely to do something about it with them or take advantage of their position of power to sexually molest these kids. 181 teachers out of a nation of teachers, is not a lot of of teachers, by the way. Let me just say that right now. It's not a lot. But it certainly is a lot more than, let's say, construction workers. It's certainly not 181 people that are publicists uh, or podcasters that were arrested for sex crimes in the first half of 2022. And that's where it becomes concerning. As, as small of a percentage of the overall teacher population in the United States as this might be, and taking into account, this is the ones we know about. I'm sure there are probably twice, four times as many that you don't know about happening. So let's, you know, times this by four, but it's still a small amount compared to the national amount of teachers. But that being said, like, like I'm making a point here. Compared to the construction workers union, compared to the publicists of America, compared to the, uh, the airline hosts of America, well, a pretty glaring indication that something is pretty fucked up here. And the fact that so many teachers do not have the oversight because unions refuse to allow them to be fired, allow them to be questioned, allow them to be punished, allow them to be, you know, really have the type of oversight that we would crave or want, especially if we're talking, you know, for us, people that look at virtually every industry and agree, argue that it should be privatized, that is highly concerning. Because so many kids, I mean, you do want to talk about who's most likely being taken advantage of, who's most likely being abused. Odds are, it's going to be the kids that are, in fact, at the most risk. It's probably going to be those exact persons that the left will tell you they care most about, that the teachers' unions will change all of their literature to talk about, you know, diversity and inclusion and equity and the black populations and the gay populations, the trans, the kids that are most at risk, the poorest, the kids that are most insecure, the kids that are probably uh, most vulnerable that they want to tell you about, those are the kids that always are the ones that they take advantage of. Those are the ones that are the easiest targets. So there is definitely something fucked up here. And there's definitely a lot to worry about, especially as these two things start to merge together a little bit more. All right, let's wrap up on Fauci and uh, yeah, Fauci's out guys. Fauci's resigned as of, well, not, not yet, but he said he will officially resign in December and, one of the things I love here is he's talking about how he's going to peace out and move on. But as he's piecing out and moving on, he's still saying, he's still taking no responsibility for any of the lockdown problems, for any of the, the mandates that he forced in, that he helped to cheerlead, for any of the, uh, the threats and doom and gloom promises he made to people to try to get them to buy into the vaccines. None of that is a problem for Fauci because he is still insisting that he is the science and that, well, you know, the science changed and, uh, it wasn't that it wasn't that we did anything wrong. It's just as the science evolves, you know, and then now we know things that we didn't know before. Okay, great. Now, you know, things that you shouldn't, that you didn't know before. Doesn't that argue the point that you shouldn't have forced the fucking country to do your bidding, to inject themselves with experimental, uh, mRNA based vaccines to stay home, to not go to work, that to limit you know, the, the economic viability of the nation, all the while punishing people punitively, yelling at them, going on every possible television show you could and screaming at them to do this one thing in this one way and damning anybody who wanted to take their own risk assessment to maybe wait to see how the science evolved before they fucking jab themselves full of a drug. Do you think that might've been a better approach since the science is always evolving for a guy that of course already learned a bad lesson in forcing a drug into the marketplace, with the AZT issue and the HIV problem, you know, basically giving a death sentence by a drug to so many you know gay population men when they had this, you know, HIV back before there was a real treatment for it, pushing this shit out in the world. well, because he was allowed to maintain his, his dignity somehow, because they put that under the the history tube, right? Bury the history tube out in the woods, put in the time machine. Well, he was able to do it all again and then tell us that the science evolved. So he's not to blame at all because he's going to leave the NIH in December. Now, I would also argue that him leaving the NIH might have something to do with the Republicans looking into his finances, looking into his payouts, because I'm sure come December, when he does resign and retires from the NIH, I'm sure that they will say that as a private citizen, they do not feel comfortable providing any insight into what he will now be paid out for any of the vaccines, uh, for any of the trademarks, for any of the applications, the gain of function shit, for any of that, that he was capable of being paid out for and probably will be because again, don't forget this just because this vaccine was a massive failure, just because it didn't do anything akin to what it was, it was supposed to do. And just because they changed the definition of vaccine, let's not forget that. Thanks Fauci. What kind of fucking changing evolution of science required the definition of vaccine to change? But just because all this was a massive failure doesn't mean he can't profit off of it down the road doesn't mean he won't continue to be paid out doesn't mean that his name isn't going to be on those patents for an approval of whatever the next iteration of vaccines being pushed out is going to be whatever they decide the next thing the lockdown society is going to be well if they use the same technology he gets paid out but that they'll say that's a private citizen now he's not involved in government anymore you don't have a right to go and find that out Trust me. That is his driving motivation for getting the fuck out of Dodge. All right. That's it. Not my best episode. Not my worst. Still very tired. But guys, stay tuned. Right? I know a lot of you said, Oh, I don't know what the fuck's happening with the Lions of Liberty. Where The Smots guys on here. Where, you know, where's Mark? Why did they not do something and make it a formal announcement here with me and Odie? Well... Don't worry, guys. We have a way in which we're, we're letting everything here play out. And uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned. All right, guys. That's going to do it. From me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty Network, and from Mean Age Daydream, always keep those electric eyes on me, babe, and keep that ray gun to my head.